new. Yuppers. We talk about all things spoopy and murdery and everything in between. Yeah. Good shit. Mixture of it all. Yeah. Kind of been on a... Well, we're ending the Hollywood series, so... Bye. I'm going into something new. Not even, really. Going into what we did before. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> did we have another series that I was not aware of? No. No, no, no. Cool, cool, cool. Nope. How's your week? Good. Just a regular week for me. Good shit. Nothing special. Good, good, good. Um, I felt like the angel of death this week because... Oh, yeah, that's right. Work was really ev- shitty. Yeah, it was. Everybody in this city decided to die. Usually... We get, like, waves. One or two, like, a week. Yeah. Like, on our shift, I'm not counting the other shifts, but the days that we usually work. I don't think we've had that many on our shift. Yeah. Lately. This week, we had, like, three a shift, not a week. Yeah. It was rough. It was weird. Did we say what it is? Dead people? Yeah, I said three. Okay, good. Yeah, that was rough, but... It was. It was a pretty rough week, but... Ended well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... For everybody who listens regularly, it is worth telling you so you're not blindsided by it or weird, feel weird about it. Um, on Wednesday, I started on testosterone to start transitioning uh, from female to male. So, how do you feel? Awesome. Yeah? Yeah. Got your man juice? Yeah, I feel like I could go to war right now. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I need to build a lightsaber. Yep. Let's just go get one of those crystals. <laughs> Start building you a lightsaber. Um, no, it's been really good. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, it's kind of different for every person how fast or slow things change, but you can come on that ride with us. So yeah. And then just so everybody's aware, I'm gonna start using the correct pronouns and names if I do refer to my co-host. Um, so it's he, him, his, and. Do you want to say your new name? Go for it. No, it's you. It feels weird. Go for it. It's weird picking your own name. I was telling my boss this when we were talking about it. And we were talking about my new business cards and, like, how I had to get new ones. We were talking about how, like, he's like, it's not weird. And I was like, isn't it weird when you pick your own nickname? It's kind of douchey. Like, <clears throat> yeah, everybody's calling me, like, the rock now. I feel bad. I like him. But. you get you get get my gist like it feels weird so and it was kind of a joint choice was it yeah okay was it not i feel like there was one night i literally listed off a thousand names to you because i googled guy names and i read off every single one and it was like a list of a thousand and it was like negative to all but like two she did this right after work in bed yeah he was not feeling it (laughs) There were some maybes. We got some maybes out of there. We did. And then we kind of played around with a couple of them and landed on one. So So also to fill everybody in, we were going to change our last name anyways. Regardless. So it kind of just fit in that way. Yeah. Do you want to say the full name? Sure. We're So we're changing our last name to my mom's maiden name, which was Adams. Just sick. And then we, I hate saying we, he decided, we We decided on uh, Jackson and going by Jack. Yep. So now I can make all of the Titanic references. Yep. And I can't wait. Yep. Can't wait. I originally thought of this name uh, a while ago and I mentioned it when we were talking about 
names for our future unborn children. And then she liked Jack, and I got jealous. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I really fucked myself. I love Jack. I love it. <laughs> it's a good name. It's like, God damn it, Jack Jr. All right, that's cute. Oh. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. We'll Anyways. See, we'll see. <laughs> it's fine. So, in, I don't know, to follow up Hollywood, we decided to talk about some of our favorite spoopy places. Yeah, spoopy old haunted places. Yes. Mine is an old prison Mine's in Sammy's, which old... I never get right. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's an old sanatorium. Which is apparently a hospital. An old name a, for a hospital. It's a specific type of hospital. I can't wait to hear more. Yeah, I can't wait either. Like, there's shit in here. I've been obsessed with this place since uh, elementary school. So, like, there's been sh- there's there's been shit. There's shit that I learned that I had no idea about. So I'm really That's stoked. Cool. Sick. I... So I'll be talking about uh, Eastern State Penitentiary. I'm uh, doing little small claps because I don't think okay. we should clap on the podcast. <laughs> and I'm stoked. I knew like a little bit just from watching like ghost shows. Yeah. Um, but like actually researching it made me so sad. So I bet here we go. Oh my god, I'm so excited. That's okay. how I felt when I went to Alcatraz because you get to like see like, and like spoopy with the and tour. Like, oh and everything. god, this was. This is different. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very different. It's not at all what people make it seem on the surface. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So back in the 1700s, prisons were not like they are now where people are separated, like genders aren't separated, different kinds of populations weren't separated. It was like literally just a big old holding pen where people waited to be sentenced. Ugh. Which presented problems. Yeah. As much as I love like equality... Go male, female, everybody's equal. Having everybody together in just one big pig pen, it was not... No. It presented a lot of problems. Because um, it was not just, like, adults. It was adults and children <sighs> accused from everything from, like, petty theft to murder. We're all together. That's scary. Right. So... Uh, in 1787, a group of well-known and powerful Philadelphians met in Ben Franklin's house to discuss kind of like how... What? Benjamin Franklin was still alive? In the 1780s? Never mind. Our country became... <laughs> Hold on. Sorry. For some reason... Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that. For some reason in my mind, I did not think that this was built when our founding fathers were still alive. That's crazy to me. Kind of. What do you mean, kind of? Well, I got, I have more, I got more. Sorry, I, so, got, I jumped ahead. <laughs> so, um, they met in Ben Franklin's house to talk about kind of just the whole state of criminal justice and how it was conducted in the country. Um, they were members of the newly formed Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. <laughs> I think that should still exist today. <laughs> So they all met and they talked about their concern about, like, the conditions in the American and European prisons because our American prisons were modeled after what they saw in Europe before we became a country. Makes sense. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Rush and others in the society hoped to outlaw public punishments, so, like, public hangings and floggings, shit like that. He was not about it, and to replace the current overcrowded and corrupt prison system with a system of private solitary confinement. Hold on. I'm very happy that we got rid of public hangings and shit like that. Like, how fucked up are you to want to watch somebody else die? Yep. 
that's a yeah. whole other topic. To, like, like, make it an event for your family to right. go to. Like, oh, like, Saturday. Wasn't there, like, I've, I've heard stories about, like, people would, like, literally go and picnic on the grass and, yeah. like, watch somebody get killed. Like, holy yep. shit. Like, yeah. No. no, it was, like, an event. No, 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 no. Yeah. Secondly, I like how we go from public events to just, uh... They went in a to room. the total <laughs> other end of the spectrum, had issues with that, and now we are somewhere in the middle, which, I mean... <laughs> which still kind of doesn't work, depending. I don't really know what, like, a perfect system would be. It. I think it depends on your end goal. If your end goal is reform, then you have to do one thing. If your end goal is to just, like, punish How's them, the worst? then it's a different thing. Like, yeah. I think, so, yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot of debate about that now, obviously, so... Dr. Rush proposed a pretty radical idea for the time, and it's honestly pretty radical now, to build a true penitentiary, which is a prison designed to inspire genuine regret and penitence, which is, like, very religious, Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the hearts of people convicted of crimes. So that was his end goal, is to make them so sorry for what they did. And then that was it. Um, and make them seek God. Probably. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Um, so Eastern State, unlike other prisons, did not use corporal punishment. Uh, it strived, at least in theory, to end the ill treatments of prisoners, not realizing that isolation in itself would literally drive, like, inmates mad. Yeah. Um, the massive new prison opened in 1829, and it was soon the most famous prison in the world. Um, it aimed to move beyond simple punishments and instead attempted to encourage people um, who are incarcerated within its walls to reflect and change. So it utilized a Quaker-inspired system. Do you know the Quakers? It's like a sect of the Christian church, and they were extremely strict. Right. Yes. Isn't that like Quaker oatmeal? Everybody goes to that, Isn't which that... makes sense, but yes. Is Quaker oatmeal... Never mind, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. We're gonna ask actually about oats and oatmeal. And no, 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 no. I was gonna was say, invented is by it Quakers? created by yeah people related to Quakers, and Probably. they just took that, and now we're eating oats from a possibly. Probably. I mean, did you see the dude who's on it? Yeah, the Quaker dude. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I for some reason I don't know why I'll probably edit this out. The Quakers remind me of slavery. Were they involved with slavery at all? Maybe they helped free the slaves. Quakers were among the first white people to denounce slavery in the American colonies in Europe. That's why. Yeah. Thanks, Quakers. Yeah, pretty dope. That is pretty dope. No, But they were extremely strict. So the early system was super strict, and to prevent distraction, knowledge of the building, and uh, even any kind of like mild interaction with guards or other inmates, prisoners wore hoods anytime they were outside their cells. The idea of that just creeps me out. I know. That, thinks, right. that me thinks about, like... Me thinks about... I think <laughs> Halloween every day. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, I could not imagine. I know. Like, wearing a hood, literally covering your whole face. Yeah. Yep. That sounds awful. So they had to do that, and then people who were, like, all about it believed that this isolation would give prisoners the chance to consider their behavior and to basically just sit there and stew on the crimes that landed them there, which ultimately would lead to a genuine pen- penance. Is it penance or penitence? I see both. I honestly, I can't pronounce anything, so. Penitence. We'll say penitence for their actions. 
designed, uh, the building itself was designed by a British-born architect named John Haviland, and it originally consisted of seven cell blocks that kind of came out from a central guard area, so people say it looked like a wagon wheel. Or I was thinking octopus. Oh, sure. Whatever you want. It's okay. only seven, so septopus. <laughs> Ew, that sounds dirty for some reason. A septopus. <laughs> Um, (laughs) in that concept, every prisoner had their own private cell, which was centrally heated with running water, a flushing toilet, and a skylight. This is in the early 1800s, so this was actually more advanced than the White House was at the time. Whoa. Yep. They had a skylight? Yep. I wish I had a skylight. Where's my skylight? Build one. I am not crafty. In our house. Crafty. <laughs> she thinks it's a craft. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not a carpenter. Is uh, that better? Yeah, it's better. <laughs> I'm not construction. <laughs> um, adjacent to each cell was a private outdoor exercise yard contained by a 10-foot wall. Damn. So they were totally isolated and doesn't seem that bad. But they could go outside and work out on their own? Yeah, but they it was like a square. A small square. I mean, no at least equipment. they get sunlight yeah. whenever they wanted to. Yep. Uh, the interior of the building resembled a church. It had 30-foot barrel-vaulted hallways and tall arched windows. In contrast, the exterior is a medieval Gothic facade built to intimidate that ironically implied that physical punishment took place behind its walls. So, I don't know. I don't know what the angle was there. So it was trying to look tough, but it wasn't. Right. It was like, it was designed to look like they beat the shit out of people, but really they just fucked people's brains. Yeah. So. Which might, yeah. After a few years and all kinds of studies done on this new isolation penance-based punishment, most decided it was incredibly detrimental to humans in general, which is true, and was way too harsh of a punishment to continue. So then... They reformed, and by 1913, the punishments changed. I wouldn't say it got better. Okay. I would say it got much worse. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the punishments that were inflicted. First oh, one. Oh, no. Uh, it's called the water bath. I hate this one. Which is where inmates were dunked and then hung out on a wall in the wintertime until ice formed on their skin. What? Yeah. Ice? Yeah. Do we have to talk about Dialove Pass again? <laughs> That's not how that works. Did they not realize people were going to die from that? Did people people died from that, didn't they? Oh, they had to have. Oh my yeah. god, are you kidding me? No. That's so fucked. Yeah. Uh, the second was called the Mad Chair, which bound an inmate so tightly to the chair that circulation got cut off, which usually ended in them having to amputate those limbs. Do you want to know what's so coincidental? <laughs> As you were talking about that, I'm looking at pictures, and do you want to know what picture I was at the when you started talking about it? Isn't that weird? Ugh, that looks like it's fucked. They had to amputate their limbs? Yep. This is why we don't keep tourniquets on people's arms for too long unless you know you're going to... Well, life or, life over limb. Come on. <laughs> but this was not a life or death option. No, no, <laughs> this was no, a... No. Uh, we were just <laughs> fucking with you option. Um, The third was called the Iron Gag. 
where an inmate's hands were tied behind their back and then strapped to an iron collar in the mouth so that any time they moved, it caused the tongue to tear and, and bleed a lot. So Anytime they moved, it yeah. ripped their tongue? Yeah, the, the hands were attached to it, so it just <gasps> didn't move at all. God forbid you have to sneeze. Right? Like, that's involuntary. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, no. Yep. And then uh, the last that I'll talk about was uh, the hole, which was a dark underground cell where unfortunate people had no light, no human contact, no exercise, no toilet, and very little food and air. So. No toilet. Did you just, like, poop in a corner then? I guess. Oh, God. Yeah. So, the Penitentiary Administration produced a silent movie in 1929 uh, to celebrate the building's centennial, so it had been around for 100 years, and the film focused on the recent changes made to the building, which showed a new factory-style weaving shops, the commercial-grade bakery and kitchen staffed by dozens of prisoners 24 hours a day. Uh, new guard towers were built with searchlights around, so it was like more of a standard prison than gotcha. you would see today. Yeah. The cells were now used for two or three men at a time. Uh, They still have barrel vaulted ceilings and skylights. The workshops and dining halls are 10 feet wide and hundreds of feet long, which is kind of cool. They were former, like, exercise yards, which were just roofed over. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had the dividing walls taken out. What's up? So, two to three men per cell? Yep. Did Did I miss... Did they reconstruct the cells? So they're shoving two to three men in a room that was originally made for one man? That's what I gathered. Okay, cool. Just wanted to clarify. (laughs) Let's see. More cell blocks were constructed. Reinforced concrete replaced stone. The new cells were small, square, and lit by ordinary windows, but the halls and catwalks had, like, skylights typical of, like, early eastern cell, or eastern state cell blocks, so what you would see in a typical Prison. prison of the time. New cell blocks were invisible from the central area, so, like, the guards couldn't see them. Um, Subterranean and windowless cells with neither light nor plumbing brought a return to solitary confinement. Uh, This time, the isolation was not for redemption, but for punishment, so that was the whole. Yeah. And they had a lot of them, so it wasn't just, like, one person at a time. Cool. So. So what do you mean, like, a lot of them? Like, they would just keep throwing them in there? No, they had a lot of different isolation cells like that. Oh, I thought you meant there was, like, a lot of people in Uh, those. I don't think so. I think they were one per... I mean, you put them two to three in a room, but solitary confinement just one. Because they go too crazy. Yep. The last major addition was made to Eastern State. It was, like, a complex of buildings in 1956 called Cell Block 15 or Death Row. Okay. So this modern prison block marked the final abandonment of any aspect of the penitentiary's original architecture. Uh, It was fully electronic, um, a system kind of like inside of it separated the prisoners from guards at virtually all times, which was good. And then some of America's most notorious lawbreakers were actually held there. As you probably know, Al Capone was there. Yeah. in 1929, he was sentenced to one year in prison, and he spent most of that eastern state. His cell was bougie. Yeah. Like, bougie, bougie. He was by himself uh, and had all kinds of, like, amenities that nobody else had, and I'll send you pictures of that. Along with that, 
lesser-known bank robber Willie Sutton was also there uh, and joined 11 other men in a doomed tunnel escape in 1945. Ooh, doomed? What do you mean by that? It did not work. Oh. <laughs> it did not escape. <laughs> By the 1960s, the prison was in need of a lot of repairs, and it was going to be really, really expensive. So the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania closed it in 1970 after it had operated for almost 150 years, which is pretty wild. That's super recent. Yep. The city of Philadelphia continued to use the prison to house short-term prisoners until 1971, and then the city purchased it in 1980, intending to, like, reuse it or develop it into something else. The Pennsylvania Prison Society uh, opened the penitentiary for the first season of regular guided interpretive tours in 1994, and then in 97 signed a 20-year agreement with the city to operate the site for themselves. Cool. A new nonprofit corporation, Eastern State Penitentiary Historic Site Incorporated, took over that agreement in 2001, and today their mission is to interpret the legacy of the American criminal justice system and reform from the nation's founding to like now, so to show how like how it's changed. In service of this, the site connects the past to the present and offers dialogue-based tours. You can get online tours uh, for free, which is kind of cool. Uh, during the time of COVID, that was uh, implemented so you can get guided like tours by voice now, so it's pretty cool. And there's a lot of different types of tours you can take. Um, I think they're actually open, open now. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. cool. Um, uh, they show approximately 300,000 visitors the prison each year so that's how many people take tours every year so that's, that's pretty cool. so cool so with all of that uh it's super fucking haunted surprise surprise let me tell you more <laughs> i love it stories go back to a locksmith whose name was gary johnson and he was changing the locks when the prison was being converted into a tourist attraction so prior to that nobody talked about any ghosts like, while it was actually being used as a prison, there's not a lot of, like, written record of any ghost sightings. But this dude was like, yo. <laughs> so he's changing locks. And he saw several ghosts and felt a cold hand reaching into his body, which he thought meant that it was almost for sure that the ghosts were going to kill him. So he thought these ghosts were like, fuck you. Yeah. Reaching in, fucking with stuff inside. Ew. So, a guy named Joseph Taylor is a well-known ghost there. He bludgeoned an overseer named Michael Duran to death in 1884. After that, he calmly re-entered his cell and just went to sleep. What? So he, I think an overseer is like a guard. Yeah. So yeah, he killed him, bludgeoned him to death, killed him, and then just walked back to his room. Cool, 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 And cool, went cool, to bed. Cool, cool, cool. Some people believe his ghost still roams the prison's hallowed halls, which would not surprise me at all. And no. it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, super fucked up. Cell block 12 is known for echoing voices and cackling sounds. Cell block 6 is known for shadowy figures that go amongst its hallways. And cell block 4 is known for visions of ghostly faces. Um, a lot of people report seeing a silhouette of a guard in one of the towers. People hear footsteps, wails, whispers, same stories over and over again in each one of the cell blocks. So, 
pretty that's pretty cool. much it. It's pretty wild. Yeah. They also have like a haunted attraction there. I don't know if it's like for the whole year or like part of the year or if they like reserve it for one wing of it or like I'm not sure the logistics on that. But you can go if you like haunted houses, do go it. Go check it out. Do it. Do it. So, do you think that the reason why the ghosts didn't haunt during, I was going to say business hours. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of right. Kind of right. But, like, while it was open working as a prison, because, like, it kept that negative energy and it was, like, satisfied, like, living in that turmoil. And then once that was gone, it was kind of, like, acting out and being like, yo, bitch, like, give me back the inmates. I don't know. I don't know. My other thing is, like, how... Was it, like, so taboo to, like, talk about ghosts? Because, like, when, I, when we talk about, like, my mom grew up in that haunted house, and it was super haunted, and everybody yeah. in there experienced things, but nobody talked about it until they were, like, adults. Adult. So I... I'm just wondering if it was just, you didn't talk about it. Like, people experienced things, but they didn't say a fucking word about it. I think also back then, like, you were just, like, instantly labeled as crazy because yeah. nobody... Wanted yep. to believe that, and it was totally. a big old scapegoat. And yep. like, but know. now it's cool, so. Yeah, it's cool to be haunted. Yeah. If you haven't seen a ghost, you're lame. So lame. <laughs> like, don't even listen to this podcast. Yeah. I'm no, kidding. Just kidding. Don't. I mean, you can listen if you want to, but don't. We don't have parameters <laughs> as to who can or cannot listen. We're not big enough for that. No, definitely not. <laughs> Hi, friends. So that's basically what it is. Yeah. Just our friends. Yeah. Anyways. Fun fact, since you talked about solitary confinement, one of the prisons that's close to my hometown is one of, I think it's the only prison in America that's 100% solitary confinement. And for 23 hours, I believe, out of the day, they're literally in their cell and they get one hour outside. That's it. Can you imagine? No. No, I couldn't. But it's like the bad of the bad of the bad that are there. I'm pretty sure it's like super max. Yeah. I'm not sure which one, but when I, it was really funny when my friend Natalie, sorry, I'm dropping your name. We went to Alcatraz last year, actually. In Alcatraz, when we're in the solitary confinement area, it has a sign that says, like, fun fact in this area in Canyon City, Colorado. And And you're like, yeah, I took a picture of it. I was just like, oh, we're famous. (laughs) (laughs) It's not something that you really want to be famous for, though. No, probably not. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. Anyways, that's really cool. There you go. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I want to go watch the Ghost Adventures episode now. Yes. I think if memory serves, just because I watched Ghost Adventures enough, they claimed that Al Capone was known to, like, be screaming in his cell. Because he heard voices and stuff like that, and they thought it was the ghosts of the people that he killed during the Valentine's Day Massacre. So I heard he had, like, syphilis. And, yeah, so, like, that's the only thing that I know of that was, like, reported during prison business hours. (laughs) But that's it. I don't even know if I'm remembering that episode correctly, because I don't remember the last time we watched it and paid attention. Right. Oh, man. Ghost adventures. Well, coincidentally... The episode that they do, I believe, is season three, episode one for the Eastern State Penitentiary. I only know that because I just looked at the disc. Weird. Uh, I literally just looked at the disc. (laughs) (laughs) But we're both talking about places that were both on season three of Ghost Adventures. I don't know what episode number mine was. I'm not that crazy. It's playing on the TV right now. It's off. It's not playing. Okay, but we just watched it. We just watched it. Okay. It's okay. I'm talking about the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Yes. 
Ooh, I love this place Let's so much. Uh, okay, so I'll try to hold in my excitement. excitement. <laughs> so the land before the san- sanatorium was built was originally purchased by a man named Major Thomas H. Hayes. And this was in 1883, and he wanted it to be his family home. Like, he wanted the Hmm. land to have his family home on it, and this was in Louisville, Kentucky. At the time, the land was far away from schools in the area. It was kind of, like, out in the middle of nowhere because of, like, I don't know, it's back in the day. Not so many places were populated, you know? So Thomas decided to open a local school for his daughters to attend and whoever else was in the nearby area. And this started as a one-room schoolhouse, which... There was a teacher that he had hired named Lizzie Lee Harris, and she was just the teacher of the students there. So there's an author by the name of Sir Walter Scott, and he wrote a series of Waverly novels. And Lizzie, the teacher, was such a fan of the novels that she named the school after them, Waverly School. So then Thomas liked the name so much that he then in turn named the land Waverly Hill. And the way that it's spelled back then is W-A-V-E-R-L-E-Y, but that's not how it's spelled now. It doesn't have the E before the Y. Uh, right, 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 right. Why? Why? I have no idea. There it's was weird. literally no reason, and according to my research, through the years, this location has just gone back and forth between the two, so I guess it just depends on who's there, on what yeah. kind of spelling they want to do. Right. But currently, right now, it is without the E. So we fast forward now to the early 1900s. Jefferson County, which is the county that Louisville, Kentucky is in, is severely affected by an outbreak of tuberculosis. Apparently, the wetlands along the Ohio River, which was near the town, was the perfect breeding ground for the bacteria that caused tuberculosis. And I don't know what happened to Thomas or his family, but in 1908... They decided to start construction on a two-story wooden sanatorium on the Waverly Hills land, and they were trying to build this in order to contain the outbreak. Okay. Um, that officially opened on July 26th of 1910, and this two-story building consisted of an admin building and two open-air pavilions, because out of everything we've learned about tuberculosis is the cure is fresh air. Um, these pavilions could hold up to 20 patients, uh, and they were only to be treated during the early phase of tuberculosis, so definitely not a severe case or long-term facility. Um, but in total, with the two pavilions, they could house 40 to 50 patients at most. Hmm. Then, in the early 1911, Louisville was going to make a new hospital, but then the hospital board of commissioners, I guess that's a thing, decided that they didn't want to redesign a hospital that they had already designed, And they didn't want to include a tuberculosis ward. So I think they just wanted to, like, keep with the hospital designs, and then they wanted to create a hospital specifically just for tuberculosis. And that plan was given $25,000 to make to care not only for tuberculosis, but for the advanced tuberculosis. So it's not going to be the basic two-story building that we have now. Just in case you're wondering, because this is my favorite part about money and doing research, is that the $25,000 that they had to create this hospital is equivalent to 600, nope, $692,142 today. So a big chunk of wow. change. Yeah. Which makes sense. You're building a hospital. That makes sense to me. Um, so we're going into August of 1912, so a little over a year later, the outbreak was getting even worse, and it was so bad that apparently all of the patients from that two-story wooden hospital um, had to take refuge into tents. 
So they had overflow so much that they had to start putting wow. patients into tents on the land temporarily until they could figure something out or until the advanced hospital finally finished building. Um, in December of that year, thank God that building um, opened and it could house um, 40 more patients. Wow. That's not a whole lot. So now yeah. we've got 90 total that we can take care of, right. max. Um, so through the years, surprise, tuberculosis still isn't going away. And in 1914, they added a children's pavilion, which added 50 more beds, making its capacity total now 130 patients. But the sad thing is that this was not just for children that were sick. They were also for children whose family was affected by tuberculosis that couldn't be cared for. So it was kind of like a, we're going to house all of these sick kids here and then orphans, essentially, which is kind of fucked up and Do sad. Do they tend to get sick themselves? Um, I would like to say yes, because at that time, tuberculosis that was extremely infectious. Yeah. So that's what would make sense to me, which makes it even more fucked up to keep these kids that have yeah. parents that are ill and can't take care of them or died. Yep. And you're housing them, basically killing them. Yep. That's fine. It's not fine. So the idea was to add a new building each year to grow so that they could keep up with the growing amount of patients. Right. But that doesn't seem feasible anymore because the wooden sanatorium filled up and was completely, like, it was just, it just wasn't working. And also, wooden instructions structures just aren't the best. That's why we don't use them anymore, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the most part. So the wooden two-story sanatorium and all of the other makeshift buildings that they've constructed along the line just aren't working anymore. And they're like, we have to come up with something better. So then in March of 1924, construction on a four-story, 180,000-square-foot building started. And that opened two years later on October 17th, 1926. This building had separate patient rooms, sunrooms, modern lab rooms, recreational spaces, and room for up to 400 patients. So they're completely over doubling their size. So eventually they construct the fifth story building that could hold more. Mm -hmm. So now that would hold, the fifth story would hold 400. Okay. And then the rest of it holds 400. Okay. So now they have a total of 800. 800. Okay. Um, which this part, it doesn't make sense to me because the fifth floor, I'm not sure if you've ever looked at pictures, it is basically like a quarter of the size as the rest of the floors. And I know that the fifth floor was known as where the children would be and that's where the children would play and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if my research was just wrong and it was like 400 per, f per floor and I missed that. But either sure. way, like it could hold a whole lot more than what they were housing right, before. Right, okay. And that's all that really matters. Cool. But what's really like cool but also really sad to think about is that because of how large this facility was and all of the like recreational areas and like everything that was there it essentially was its own community according to the waverly hills website they grew their own vegetables and fruits they um it had its own post office and unfortunately because of the epidemic nobody was allowed to leave not even the staff so if you were a nurse so they pretty much had to make all their own Food and everything. Yeah, even the nurses and doctors there, like, they couldn't leave. <sighs> you couldn't, like, see your family anymore. Which Damn. is super sad. I can imagine the feels with that. Um, so, patients would still have visitors, and I don't know what that would look like, because I feel like they'd have to have some kind of... Barrier. Barrier or some kind of... You do know what that would look like. Well, that's true, but I just don't know what it looked like back then. Right. Like, I don't know if the patients had to wear specific, like, respirators, and sure. their... their 
family members or loved ones could still see them without anything. I'm not sure what that looks like, but it, it probably looked like something what we know. So, most notably, the structure has a 500-foot tunnel connected to the first floor. And originally, that was built as an exit and entrance for workers, just so they could get in and out sure. and do whatever they needed to. I wonder if they had, like, a little, like, house, like, all the workers have house, like, off-scene, so they could Maybe. at least, like, get out of the hospital yeah. when they got off shift, but yeah. they couldn't, like, go home. Right. Because, you know, you can infect your family. Makes sense. I don't know how that worked. I should have looked into that a little bit more. Whoopsies. But anyway, so yeah, the 500-foot tunnel that the workers would go in and out, it's kind of wonky if you look at pictures. It's like, did I put how wide it is? No, I don't think it's really all that wide. I think it's maybe like six feet wide. And like half of it is stairs and the other half is just a ramp. Okay. So the stairs themselves are for employees to use to go up and down. And then the ramp was built for a cart to be used to go up and down. It makes sense because yeah. putting a cart down some stairs would suck. This ramp apparently would transport supplies and whatever else they needed. And also it helped transport patients who had deceased to a train and be taken off the property or a hearse, uh, depending on the situation. I've read both out of my sources. A hearse seems more likely to me than just a random train waiting there. Anyways, so they transported the deceased through these tunnels for multiple reasons. First, it's so that people visiting or those who were sick there didn't see the rising number of dead people every day and, I don't know, would make them not so scared, even though I'm sure being sick with something that's a terminal illness, it's yeah. pretty fucking scary. Yeah. Um, so, on average, one person died a day from tuberculosis. Average. That's not to say, like, how we just explained for our work week, usually we get, like, one to two deaths a week, but lately we've had three de deaths a night, you know? So, like, those kind of things. It's, like, those random yeah. times where, like, <laughs> uh, Joe, we have five bodies today. I guess we gotta run it down to the chute a couple more times. <sighs> so sad. And this, again, was to help boost morale, and at the time, the workers thought it would also help with controlling the spread of the disease. So they thought if they took out the ones that had the illness that apparently was the worst because they died from it and didn't have any more patient contact and took it far, far away, it would be better. I don't know if they were right or not. Because the building of the sanatorium didn't seem to improve the tuberculosis outbreaks because in 1938, tuberculosis was the leading cause of death in Kentucky. And I just want to say how wild this is. This started, I don't know when it officially started, but this building, the two-story wooden sanatorium was built in 1910. And in 1938, it is the number one reason for death. This has been going on for 28 years. Hmm. Tuberculosis has been going on for 28 years. That blows my mind. Yeah. I know what we're going through right now is rough, and it's been a whole year of this, but guys... It could 20, be 28 years. It could years. be almost three decades. Yes. And it doesn't go away anytime soon, let me tell you that. So be thankful that we're starting to get somewhere now. Because it could be like this. Anyways. End rant. Um, <laughs> even, For now. Even worse about that is that since tuberculosis was the leading cause of death in Kentucky, Kentucky had the highest death rate in the entire nation. Oh my god. And this is theorized because Kentucky had a lack of facilities to treat patients, obviously because it took them, this five-story sanatorium officially got built in 1926. The two-story wooden building was in 1910. Again, that took 16 years wow. just to get an yeah. official building right. for these things that could house the amount of people that were getting sick. Yeah. 16 years. 
Jesus Christ. Anyways, and also, they had a lack of state funding for treatments as well as a lack for long-term care options, which I'm going to put in perspective a little bit for you, especially when it comes to how long patients were staying at the facility. And this is also why you'd realize that they'd run out of beds so quickly. Before antibiotics or any modern treatment, patients would spend, do you want to guess how many days? I have no idea. Just give me a number. Uh, days? Days. Is it a really big number? 10,000. <laughs> That's it. Now you see? <laughs> she does that to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, now. <laughs> see? <laughs> <laughs> it's not 10,000, guys. <laughs> They, that many fucking years See? would that be? How many years? Ten thousand days. I have to look this up real quick. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, how many years is ten thousand days? That's twenty-seven years. <laughs> Do you think somebody spent twenty-seven years in the facility? Dude, I don't know if TV was going on for twenty-eight. Then That's yes. True. That's true. Okay, fair, fair, fair. No, they would spend... <laughs> oh, man. It's fun to watch her so suffer funny. the way I do. <laughs> no, I think it's so funny. 27 years. Yeah. Bitches, I've had tuberculosis for 27 years. Calm down. Um, no, they... <laughs> They would only, they would only spend 200 to 300 days, so a little less than a year, ma- minimum, for treatment. And yes, they were that in the- That is a long time, like- Yeah, and they were in the sanatorium yeah. the whole time. Imagine, yeah. like, being in the hospital for, like, a week recovering, I feel like is, like, awful enough, but, like, you were in there for a minimum of, like, Almost year a year, yeah. For long-term treatment, yep. and I- like I said, that's a minimum, so it could have been more depending on how severe your yep. case was. So, thank God, there's a thing called pneumothorax treatments, uh, which helped cut this time easily over half, making it, on average, 90 days of treatment. So that really helped with their turn rate and everything like that, making treatment a lot faster. So, but in total, based on the years that Waverly Hills worked as a sanatorium slash hospital... From 1910 to 1961, so fucking 51 years, to treat tuberculosis, an average of 2,000 people died each year. Good lord. So, um, if I learned anything from elementary school, it is basic math, and so that's 51 years, like I said, of being open, and times 2,000 people dying a year, that's a grand total of 102,000 people that died of tuberculosis. That doesn't wow. seem the, so. That doesn't seem like a lot, based yeah. off of like population and stuff of the time. But for that small area, that was a lot. That was a lot of people, especially like right now, when we see even higher numbers like that for COVID. It's fine. It's not fine. But um, there was still no end in sight. Fifty-one years of still being in tuberculosis. There was still no end in sight. But then in 1943, when streptomycin, which is an antibiotic, was introduced, tuberculosis was no longer a big issue. But Waverly Hills kept a large number of patients. Perhaps this goes to the lack of supporting slash funding slash I'm sure the accessibility of the antibiotic. I'm, I'm sure there's a handful of things as to why. This was in 1943 when this thing got made. Yeah. 
1950, they still had 373 patients. Hmm. That's four... No, that's seven years after it's been made. Yeah. And then in 1960, 17 years after it's been made, they still had 293 patients. Hmm. So it, they were still no longer at max capacity, but they were still over, like, almost half yeah. of their capacity a little bit. But then they finally closed down when the remainder of the patients were transported to a different hospital in June of 1961-1962. I saw both in my sources. I believe it was 1961, though. And then it reopened in 1962-1963 as Woodhaven Geriatric Center, which, as the name implies... It's for old people. Yes. Is it an old folks home? It is. Okay. It, they turned it into a nursing home. I don't know why I always call it that. Old folks home? Yeah. I think it's from our area because like, okay. growing up in Canyon, they everyone yes. called it an old folks home. Okay, cool. I yeah. Feel better. I think it's like a, maybe not Midwestern, Western, but like Southern Western Colorado, Colorado thing. Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah. So they treated elderly that had various stages of dementia, mobility limits, and mental illnesses. Uh, this venture failed, however, due to understaffing and overcrowding. I feel like it's the same issue that we've always had here, as well as reports about patient neglect, and it was officially closed by the state in 1982. So it was open for a little over, almost 20 years. So the year, imagine, now is 1983, and a developer, who was a very rich man named Jay Clifford Todd, bought the hospital for $3,005,000. Did I say that right? That sounds right. Which... Today, that is rounded to $7,935,312, which seems like a lot of money for an abandoned hospital. $7 million? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess it's a it's big... It's pretty big. It's a big facility. A lot of uh, he square was, footage. Yeah, the, yeah that's, that's true. That's probably where it's coming in. Um, he was joined by an architect named Milton Thompson, and together they had ideas of making the sanatorium into a minimum security prison. Are we surprised? It looks like a prison. It does. Um, but thankfully, the neighborhoods protested and developers dropped the idea. Like, oh my god, no. Yeah. So then they played with the idea of turning the place into apartments. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, they rallied on the Jefferson Fiscal Court to buy 140 acres of the land from them for $400,000. But that was the money that they would need to start the project. I'm assuming that it didn't go through because that's not what happened to it. So I don't know what happened, but it just didn't happen. So then in March of 1996, Robert Alberhasky bought Waverly Hills and the surrounding area, which I'm assuming is just the plot of land. Um, and the Alberhasky's Christ the Redeemer Foundation, Incorporated, wanted to put the world's tallest statue of Jesus on the land along with the Arts and Worship Center. So, they essentially wanted to make the building into an arts and worship center, so a church, and <laughs> they wanted to be all Jesus there. So, of course, they wanted the world's biggest Jesus, which we all know about the one in Rio de Janeiro, Christ the Redeemer. We've all seen those pictures. They basically wanted to copy that idea and put it in America and make it bigger. Hmm. So, that sounds right. Sounds right. This one in Kentucky would have been created and designed by sculptor Ed Hamilton and architect Jasper Ward, but this is where things get a little tricky for them. The first phase of this idea was to have the development of the statue, and this showed the statue being 150 feet tall, 150 feet wide, and it was going to be placed on the roof of the sanatorium. However... (laughs) 
this would have cost them four million dollars, which Lord. is which is now six hundred seventy million dollars, five hundred twenty six thousand four hundred and fifty. Goodness. Gross. Perhaps because they'd have to reinforce the fucking roof yeah. to even like yeah. keep that yeah. it's 150 feet tall and wide. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What are you making? A square? Uh, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Isn't that weird? Maybe it's the base. It sits on a base. Maybe. That would make that sense. Big, then, yeah. That's still ridiculous. Super ridiculous. They would have to reinforce the shit out of that, which at an old abandoned hospital would be a yeah. lot of money because you'd have to redo yeah. everything, whatever. Yep. So the second phase was to convert, like I said, the sanatorium into a chapel, art house, slash theater, and obviously a gift shop was necessary. Duh. <laughs> but that, that was going to cost more than the ginormous statue. Oh, my God. That was going to be a whopping $8 million or more. It's an 8 to $10 million estimated, uh, which is... One billion three hundred forty-one million fifty-two thousand nine hundred dollars when rounded to today's money. That is insane to me. So this fell through clearly because donations to fund this project didn't meet their expectations, like at all. They were only able to raise three thousand dollars, which is equivalent to like five thousand dollars today. They even try to get the entire country involved, and that's all that they got. Like, probably because everyone thought that was the stupidest thing ever. Anyways, the project was canceled in December of 1997. So then, in 2001, after the Jesus disappointment, the land and building was sold to Tina and Charlie Mattingly. They hold tours at the location, both historical and ghosty, to include a haunted house each Halloween. The proceeds of, uh, basically, of the money goes towards restoring the property, because if you look at pictures, it's it's been abandoned for a few years. All these projects are falling through. No one's taking care of it since it was no longer the nursing home. Like, it's pretty old. I love it, because it looks all beat up, but it's fine. And today, Waverly Hills is on the U.S. National Register of Historical Places. So that basically protects it from anything, which is super cool. But let's talk about what we really came here to talk about. And that's the spooky th- things. Um, yes. Waverly Hills. Yes. Waverly Hills is known or listed as one of the most haunted places in America, even in the world, especially when it comes to hospitals, which makes sense because you don't really hear about a lot of abandoned hospitals very much, do you? No. The only one that I've heard of besides this one is the one in uh, New Orleans that I really want to go to. Charity Hospital, I think is what it's called. No idea. Might have to do an episode on that. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, um, so some of the ghosts that are known to be around there is, uh, like I said, there was a lot of children there. A lot of children died there, unfortunately. So there's a lot of children's spirits and specifically, I don't know if it's one or just a lot of them do the same thing. They like to toss a ball back and forth with you. Which that gives Can you imagine? Creeps. No, no, no. Oh, I'm getting the goosebumps just thinking about like tossing a ball and then it coming back to you, and you're yeah. like, <laughs> it's also known that there are shadow figures. I feel like any haunted place has shadow figures. Something that I didn't cover in the history because I don't know when it happened exactly, but sometime eventually, uh, supposedly in room 502, or at least in front of 502, which is right in front of the elevator, there was a nurse that had hanged herself. Story goes that she was pregnant and ended up getting tuberculosis. She had tried to 
I don't know if she self did an abortion or if somebody helped her yeah. or like I don't know what the situation was, but according to Ghost Adventures, the abortion looked it was just Bosh. gone. It was gone wrong, like yeah. super gone. And they found the baby or the fetus, I guess, in the well well hole or something in the fifth floor, Fuck. and she hanged herself. Jesus. Super fucking sad. I heard another rumor that she was impregnated by a doctor. Yeah, I've heard that. That didn't want anything to do with her and he was like uh you're you're pregnant get the fuck away from me yeah she was like for that time especially if it was in the early 20s or in the 20s ish that you just aren't unwed and having a baby unfortunately that was super frowned upon so maybe yeah and having tuberculosis like there was just a lot of factors i'm sure that were heavy on her mind spread to the baby yeah so Mm -hmm. super sad but i also heard from other research or maybe it was from a movie that i've seen i don't remember this is just from my memory but i've heard that there's a nurse that also jumped off the fifth floor or maybe it was a patient so fifth floor has got a lot going on yeah the fifth floor is super haunted especially since that's where the children are according to ghost adventures i couldn't find this anywhere else but i'm also really bad at google that there's doppelgangers that hang out at waverly hills and if you don't know what a doppelganger is it's essentially you but like not you it's like the i wouldn't say evil you but it's like a what is a better way to say it i should have wrote down what ghost adventures said because they literally had the definition right there yeah um i can just wikipedia the definition Stand by, real quick. i got you why is the second search on my fucking wikipedia doppelganger fort collins an apparition or double of a living person I don't think it means like a bad one. I think it's bad if you meet. Yeah, your if you if you meet your own doppelganger, you're, you're supposed fucked. to die, essentially. Yep. So that's Do super scary. Do both die? I don't know. That's because I... if it's another person, like one person, I'm just living my life. My doppelganger's just living her his life. Yeah. And then we meet, and we both drop dead. I. Oh, gross. <laughs> Out of nowhere. <laughs> what? No, oh, just hold my hand. Uh, no, I. I. I tried to hold her hand. She goes, "What? <laughs> Marriage?" Uh, no. So I, in my mind, I'm probably completely wrong about this, but I always imagined doppelgangers being, like, another dimension and, like, somehow getting Ooh. into our world and then, like, we meet and then I don't know, I don't know who dies if hmm. they both die, but, like, can they die if it's not in their dimension? Or, like, also what I've... I have no idea. What I feel like, I think, this is probably so wrong, but that they are coming to this world to, like, seek you out to kill you. Ooh. Another theory. Spoopy. Super spoopy. So, anyways, I'm probably really wrong on that, guys. Don't quote me on it. I, I'm i just making that shit up in my head. So, the even creepier is on the fourth floor um, is this literally this thing called the Creeper. And it's another type of shadow figure that basically crawls on all fours and, like, will just follow you around and it can even go on the ceiling. Yep. Gross, 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 gross. Um, that's it for spooky stuff. Love it. Yeah, so... I found out about this place based off of this really awful <laughs> movie. Oh, we watched it. That I showed you. Oh. It's yeah. coming back. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really, back. really, really it's bad. It's so bad. But like in elementary school, I thought it was so cool. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. And it made me fall in love with this place, which I have no idea why. It's really fucking weird. Anyways, 
The movie is called Death Tunnel. And it literally, it's totally forgot about so this. fucking bad, guys. I'm so sorry. It's literally like, you know those B movies or C movies like, where you're like, you're cheesy. It's literally a negative F. Like, it it's is so bad. bad. But they get their history right. So that's good. And they good. actually filmed there, right? And they filmed Which 100% cool. of the yeah. movie is filmed so on site. Cool. It's super cool. It's and cool. if you look at the bonus features in the movie, they talk about how they've had their own paranormal experiences while, while filming. filming. Yeah. They caught a ghost on camera. Yeah. They've caught EVPs. Yep. Then, um, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty they badass. film in the death tunnel. They hence the name um but also it's this place has also been on any uh, literally every single haunted show you've ever seen like we said ghost adventures i'm sure it's on all everything else i don't know my favorite one was paranormal lockdown pretty sure there stand by let me make sure this is true it's just confusing because a lot of these like buildings like this have a tunnel like that yep episode five sick but on that one the, like, premise of the show is they're not there for just one night. They're there for 72 hours altogether. Is that with Nick Roth? Yeah. Oh, okay. And Nick set his cot up in that tunnel. Yeah, you were telling me that. And that's pretty badass. Fuck no. Fuck no. There's no <laughs> windows in there. The only light that you have is from the exit and entrance. 500 feet. Fuck that. No. No. No, 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 no. no. Um, anyways. This little baby flashlight, so. Yeah, fuck that. So, um, Wave Really Hills also, fun fact, hosted the last show of the Underground Music Festival, which was in August of 2007, which, according to Wikipedia, the show acts were extreme metal and metal cooler, um, which I literally do a major eye roll. I can't remember what bands that were there, but I was just like, that is not extreme metal or metalcore, but it's fine. And this seems like a really cool idea for, like, that kind of a place, like, having a show there. If you've seen pictures, like, it's a huge plot of land. Yeah. Super cool. But the neighbors and residents of the area uh, did... I'm sure they were not thrilled Yeah, no. They disliked... That a second time. They disliked that, so... Uh, they decided that that was never going to happen again. I don't <laughs> know how they deal... Done. I don't know how they deal with the tourists. It's like, you didn't want a prison, you don't want live shows, like, what What do you want? You apparently want tourists going up and down your road every day to come look at the spooky place. Yes. Whatever. Anyways, yeah. like I said, the current owners do tours, even private overnight ghost tours with enough notice, and if you are interested in that, you can go to uh, waverlyhillsanatorium.com. Currently, at least, uh, I hope I'm not getting confused with Alcatraz. You know what? I think I am. I think they are doing tours right now. I think they're just doing limited space, yeah. like every place for COVID. So I was thinking they weren't doing it at all, but I was confusing it with Alcatraz. So I think Eastern State literally just opened up. Yeah, I don't think. So, things are opening back up, which is good because we are uh, have a big honeymoon planned, which involves a spooky road trip. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, so... Sick. That was awesome. Thanks. Badass. So totally badass. Let's go there. Let's go to both of these. Oh my gosh. I just hope you know that the moment we drive up and I see it, I'm just going to start crying. <laughs> I'm so, like, no. This, mm. Does Alcatraz have, um, it's like that, it's like a row of cells, cells, catwalk, and just big open area. Mm -mm. It might be Eastern State then, but there's a Tony Hawk 4 level. Yeah, it is Eastern State. Eastern State. I know exactly it's what you're talking about. It's like a big half pipe that goes Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you see the ghosts. Yeah. In the level. 
was my oh, that's favorite super level. cool yeah yeah no boopy alcatraz is just like um like there's no catwalks i don't think no it's not like divided like that i can't explain it right but well sick well we'll post all kinds of pictures so you can see these spooky places yes and um that's all i have do you have anything else i think that's it sick um if you guys wanted to get some of our merch it's technically here's the thing is that it ships based off of how many people order so if not enough people order then it won't ship you get refunded and it's totally fine but I think the I way think that it's set to just one. Yeah, the, the way we have it set up is good. one. Yeah. But keep in mind is that like the moment that you order, it'll basically start an open campaign. It calls it campaigns that it'll take two weeks of orders, and then it'll at the end of those two weeks print everything out and then ship it. So it's not like Crime Junkie where like no, that's not a good example. It's not like any other merch store that just has these products laying around to ship out like it has to be made and stuff like so it's going to take a little bit longer but if you guys are still interested there is still merch available and you can find that in the link of our instagram which is who knew podcast and then i'll let you do the rest because you always do and you do it better than i do (laughs) um so if you want to email us you can do that at who knew podcast 666 at gmail.com those are the only two we just do instagram and gmail we don't do facebook or anything like that um, so if you want to get a hold of us, that's how. And then you can also find us on Patreon. Um, no pressure there. It's not a big deal. But if you want to support us there, that's super cool. You can get all kinds of things like stickers and early episodes and bonus episodes and stuff yeah. like that. Fun stuff that Sammy is in charge of. So. Yay. That's what I got. Sick. That's it. Um, Butters, he's a sleepy boy, but you want to say bye, Buds? He's like, no. Oh. Say bye. Oh, oh my gosh, yawn. big yawn. Oh. That was good. That was good. Good job. Bye, bud. Bye.